the Steelers got a safety. It's Morgan Burnett who played for Green Bay last year. He's okay. He gets hurt a lot. He missed four games last year. He's missed 14 games over the last five seasons, but never more than five. He's a nagging injury type of guy, not a cataclysmic injury type of guy. Burnett is a strong safety, which means Sean Davis will likely move to free safety. So there you go. Bostic, Burnett, the Steelers can actually field a team on defense now. Well, kind of, because the reality is the formula remains the same. The Steelers are loaded on offense, and the Steelers are very, very patchwork on defense. The Steelers have had that formula for five years with Ben, Bell, and Brown, and they haven't been to a Super Bowl, and now they're going to use the exact same formula. But maybe it'll work this time. This is the Mark Madden Show. Tonight at 7 p.m., I'll be at Danny's Bar and Grill in Westview for a Penguins watch party with Bud Light. Freebies and hockey talk. It's going to be great. Morgan Burnett got a three-year deal from Pittsburgh worth 14.5 mil. That's far less than he was projected to get. Burnett wanted over $8 million per so. The Steelers got a bit of a bargain if Burnett can stay healthy and do the job required. We got Stan Saverin on today. Also, we got four-time Stanley Cup champion Butch Goring, who's part of the New York Islanders broadcast team. Goring joins me at 3.15, about 15 minutes from now. He was on the last team to win three Stanley Cups in a row, the 1982 New York Islanders. And you know who gave the Islanders their biggest scare that season? The Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. Best of five. Game five went to overtime. We'll talk about that with Butch Goring at about 3.15. The Penguins play the Islanders tonight, and you can hear all the action right here on the X. Matt Williamson will join me, our football guru, to talk about the Steelers' free agent signings because he knows what's up. Matt Williamson at about five minutes after four. So the Steelers have not upgraded on defense. Not by a long shot. Still haven't really replaced Ryan Shazier, although that was always going to have to happen in the draft. Because the Steelers are keeping Lev Bell and committing over $14 million to Lev Bell for just one season, the Steelers are still a very, very flawed football team. And the Steelers think that's okay. I bet you do too, but the Steelers are flawed. You know what I love? I love the pretending that we know Bostic and Burnett are going to come to Pittsburgh and be good fits. I don't know about you, but I haven't yet had time to break down tape on either of those guys, Burnett and Bostic. The only thing I do know is that I'm going to inadvertently refer to Morgan Burnett as Morgan Freeman all the time. That has already started. Burnett and Bostic both have good reputations. They'll probably be okay if they can stay healthy. And really, that's all anybody knows. I heard the B team talking today about Burnett like they broke down tape. Yeah, okay. 
I guess Cam Sutton is going to move to safety. He looked pretty good as a rookie at corner once he was healthy. That's a lot on a second-year guy's plate, though. You're barely in the league, and now you're going to switch positions. To be blunt, if that'll let Mel walk and use that money on defense, it would have offered no guarantees, but the model of the superstar offense hasn't worked. Not so far. And you would have needed a running back, too. But like I said, maybe a back like Carlos Hyde and Tyrone Matthew at safety, maybe those two help the Steelers more at 14 mil. Then Bell's going to help at 14 mil. And at least those two guys would show up on time. But that's moot. The Steelers have made their choices, and their choices usually work. 412-333-9939 is the number to call to go one-on-one with the great one. It's the Mark Madden Show here on the X. Aliquippa High School hired its new football coach. It's not Sean Gilbert, the former NFL player, but it is a black man, Mike Warfield. He's a former Aliquippa quarterback, and he was most recently the quarterback's coach at Central Valley High School. Warfield is also a state cop. So now the black community has its black coach, and that's okay. I'm not black, and it's not my community. But anybody who doesn't think that coaching change was based primarily on race has his or her head stuck up his ass. I'm getting told on Twitter to mind my own business, and that's fair, because I don't give a flying fornication about Aliquippa football. But I know what went down. You do, I do, we all do. The community of Aliquippa is okay with it, and that's what counts most. But if you take out the race issue, then give me a logical reason why Aliquippa fired a coach with six Whipple championships, who just got his team to a 10th straight final in 2017, and is considered by his peers and by the media and by acclamation one of the best coaches in Whipple football history. You can't give me a logical reason because there just isn't a logical reason. This is about race, period, and that's that. By the way, I guess Mike Zemanek, who got fired at Aliquippa, is going to coach the linebackers at Hopewell. Coaches always want to coach. The Penguins play at Brooklyn tonight. The Metro Division is absolutely nuts right now. Columbus is really on a roll. I'm on a jag where I watch hockey every night, and I watched the Blue Jackets win at Boston last night, 5-4 in overtime. Just a real exciting game to watch. That's eight straight wins for Columbus. The standings are clogged in the Metro. We'll talk about that a bit later. Butch Goring, the Islanders color analyst just around the corner, uh, the Islanders and the hockey media have just now figured out that John Tavares isn't going to stay in friggin' Brooklyn to play for a crap team next year, that he's going to leave via free agency. Anyone with a brain had that clocked in January. Seriously, why would you want to play in Brooklyn? It's New York without the New York. They got that Barzal kid who's going to win Rookie of the Year. He's averaging over a point per game. And he's probably conning the days until he can go free agent. Although the Islanders are going to build that new rink in Belmont Park. 
Penguins and Islanders tonight. We'll get the view from the Islanders' side of the street. It's four-time Stanley Cup champ Butch Goring up next here on 105.9. The Penguins visit the New York Islanders tonight at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Joining me now, the four-time Stanley Cup champion, now part of the Islanders broadcast team, he is Butch Goring. Butch, what the heck has happened to the Islanders? I'm sure you expected better than last place. Where did it go wrong? Well, uh, there's probably a number of areas where it kind of changed direction, but you're right. I mean, uh, nobody saw this coming, really felt that the Islanders would be in a playoff hunt through the entire season, and we, I felt it was going to be very, very close, and obviously it, ha- it hasn't been. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's a couple things to look at. I think that uh, they got off to a tremendous start uh, the first 20 games, and I believe they went like 12-8, and eight, and they were scoring goals at a torrid pace and, and I think one of the things that, uh, you know, kind of got away from them, when you were scoring that many goals, it maybe should have been 16 and four. And that would have really put him into the, you know, got him in the right direction, gave him a little bit of cushion. And that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, eventually the, you know, the defensive lapses for the Islanders that no one was watching or paying attention early on in the season, uh, caught up to him. And then, you know, a couple of injuries, especially on defense really hurt him. And, uh, I mean, there's just a number of areas. Uh, the goaltending, I think most people would tell you, has been just average for pretty much uh, most of the year. And then when, when crunch time really came, uh, the John Tavares line went ice cold. I mean, they won a stretch of 15 games uh, not all that long ago where they just couldn't get the puck in the net and, and nothing was going right for them. So, you know, when you start add, adding all those situations up, uh, it spells disaster. Let's look a bit more closely at the defense and goaltending because the Islanders have allowed more goals by far than any team in the league. And, Butch, I just did not see that coming. No, I, I didn't either, especially when you look at the team last year and, and, and particularly when Doug Waite took over their results and, and, and uh, you know, they were playing a pretty solid game, uh, a good solid 200-foot game. And, and so really expected uh, some guys on this team to, to get a little better and, uh, you know, that really didn't happen. There was a little bit of stagnancy in the progress of some of the guys. But, uh, I, I mean, overall, it's, it's you know, it's easy to blame the goaltenders. And, and you know, they, they have definitely played a part in it. But uh, the whole team as a whole, when, you know, back in their own zone, have not played well. They've uh, had a lot of poor decisions. And, and uh, whenever they've made a mistake, they, they've paid the ultimate price. So, as a team, uh, I think Doug Wade is uh, very disappointed in the way his team has responded in the defensive zone. They just, you know, on the other night they gave up a third period goal and uh, Van Riemsdyk went right down. I mean, he was a defenseman. He went right down the middle of ice. Couldn't ask for a better spot to shoot a puck. And, uh, you know, they give up the winning goal. So that really typifies what the Islanders have been all, all the light, uh, been about all season long. What's the situation with Tavares? Uh, he's going to be a free agent at season's end. Do you think he's one foot out the door, Butch? I, I'm not sure. I mean, he, I'll tell you one thing. He has been consistent with his uh, verbiage through the entire season. I mean, he's a very dedicated athlete. He's a very sincere athlete. And, um, you know, he's had a pretty good season, albeit that, that you know, that 15-game span where it, it, the line was not very good. But, uh, no, no I, I don't think so. I think he's very, you know, I know him watching him play over the last little while. He's frustrated. I know he's uh, extremely disappointed in, in what's happened, and, and I know he feels like he's to blame, like he could have done more. But uh, I, I don't think anybody knows what's what's going on with uh, John Tavares other than John Tavares. I think everybody is uh, hoping that uh, things 
certainly go in the direction of the New York Islanders, but at this point in time, I, I, I don't know if anybody has an answer. Now, on the bright side, this Matthew Barzell won't stop. Great season, over point a game, and he's just about a lock for Rookie of the Year, isn't he? I think he's a mortal cinch, personally, and I, I can't imagine anybody voting for anybody else. Uh, there's a, a couple of guys that were having pretty good seasons. Uh, certainly Besser in, in Vancouver was lighting the lamp, and, and uh, certainly he, I think he was in the running for a while. And then I think McAvoy for the Bruins was, in the, was certainly in that position to, uh, to uh, contest for um, the Calder. But, but at this point in time, I, I just don't think there's anybody else. I mean, he is... He has been fun to watch, and uh, yes, his point total is far and away better than anybody else. But it's just what he does on the ice, and uh, you know, he's turning out to be uh, much more than just a rookie. He's turning out to be um, quite the player, and, and certainly a, a topic of conversation throughout the league. What do the Islanders have to do to dig out next year? Because I think there's a lot of talent there, Butch. What can serve as a catalyst to get uh, the Islanders back on the right track? Well, I think first and foremost, they, they, they've got to get a goaltender that, uh, you know, that gives them a lot better goaltending. You can't be average in this league and expect to, uh, you know, to have any kind of success. I mean, uh, you know, you look at uh, Matt Murray, where, you know, what he's been able to do for Pittsburgh or certainly uh, Price in, uh, in Montreal. I mean, we saw what happened to Montreal Canadiens when Price was hurt. And, and uh, you know, and then you look at uh, Vasilevsky and, and Tampa Bay. I mean, there's just a number of goaltenders that, you know, you call, uh, you know, elite or outstanding. But I think Islanders have to track someone down to get some more uh, closer to that sort of element. We're talking to Butch Goring, four-time Stanley Cup champ, here on the Mark Madden Show. Butch, uh, what's your take on the Penguins going for a third straight Stanley Cup? Uh, the last team to do that was your Islanders in 1982, so you certainly have a perspective that many don't. Well, I, I think they've got as good a shot as anybody else. I think, you know, in the early part of the first 40 games, everybody, again, as usual, was counting them out because, uh, you know, of changes to their roster. And that certainly makes their task a whole lot different to repeat when you, you know, you bring in five or six new guys and, and at a, and at key positions. I mean, it's not easy to replace Cullen or Benito, um, at the forward line or, uh, was it, or Cole, I think it is on, on defense. So, or daily, as a matter of fact. So, you know, when you continue to lose people like that, that's that's tough to, uh, you know, to replace them with the same type of talent and, and knowledge and experience. But the Pittsburgh Penguins seem to find a way to bring people in, and they seem to fit like they were there for their entire career. So um, my feeling's always been don't don't count the defending the Stanley Cup champs out. I mean, I, I think their task will be tough. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I think there are teams in this league that got a little better than they were last year. So... Uh, the road to the championship will be a little more difficult, but certainly they have every right to uh, to believe that they can do it again. Now, when you guys won the third straight cup in 82, that was the year you had the close call against Pittsburgh in the first round. Uh, it went to overtime in the fifth game of a best of five. Which is it fair to say that during your four-year Stanley Cup run, that might have been the closest you guys came to bowing out? Uh, yeah, absolutely, no doubt about that. I mean, obviously, the first Stanley Cup against Philadelphia, you know, the win in six. So we're sure glad we didn't have to go play Game Seven in Philadelphia. But uh, <laughs> aside aside from that, yeah, that 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 was a scare, and and uh, you know, that's that's a first round matchup, and and I think that's what the Pittsburgh team has to be very careful of, uh, as as do all teams in the National Hockey League, is uh, 
everybody thinks they can win the cup, and uh, so everybody's full of uh, energy and enthusiasm, and very and they're very positive about their chances to win. So you get everybody's best performance in that first round. It's not really a grind as much as it is uh, motivational and, and full of energy. So uh, you see upsets in the first round. So um, teams have to be very very careful, and certainly we we got the scare of our life. Well, specifically, you were down 3-1 to one in Game 5 of that best-of-five against Pittsburgh, and there were under six minutes left, but you scored twice and won in overtime. John Tonelli got each of the last two goals. Uh, what were you guys thinking on the bench when you're down 3-1 that late? Uh, well, we're, we were scared. I mean, we, we knew we were in, in trouble. We, uh, I believe it was Dion was in the net, and we were you know, obviously putting a lot of pressure on him and we, we needed a break and, and uh, we got one. I mean, that puck hopped over Randy Carlisle's stick and, uh, you know, that got us uh, the opportunity. And, and once I think once we got into 3-2, then uh, our, our attitude became a whole lot different because now we had a chance. I mean, trying to get two goals in less than six minutes against a team that's, you know, staring at a possible upset, we, we knew that was going to be a tough task. So, um, but once we got it to three uh, two, everybody felt good about the you know what we could do, and that we certainly were capable of uh, you know getting one more. Who are the teams to beat, Butch, this year? Give me your pick at each conference, and give me an upset special, a team that could make some unexpected noise, like you said in that first round. Which I agree, that's a sprint. You're not grinding there. That first round is just a hundred yard dash. Yeah, it really is. Well, I I think you know you you certainly you know, you have to look at Tampa as the uh, as the big team out in the out in the uh, Eastern Conference. I mean, the type of year they they've had and some of the moves that they've made late in the season certainly looks on paper to be a you know I would say the favorite at this point in time. And and then out in the uh, out in the East, I mean uh, that's been a, a real interesting conference. But right now, Nashville lines up as the number one. Or excuse me, out in the Western Conference, Nashville lines up as the, as the number one team, but. Uh, you know, for an, for an upset, and I don't even know if you can call them an upset. I, I, I think you, you you have to be a little scared of Las Vegas because of the way they've played at home and the, you know just the way they competed uh, all all season long. And and um, to me, that would be you know that would be a huge upset for them to win. Just just for them to win, whether or not you know you view them as a team that's good enough or not. Butch, great stuff. I appreciate the expertise. We'll talk again soon. I hope. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it, Bob. Bob, Mark, doesn't matter. <laughs> Butch scoring. 1982, he broke my heart. Big goal for the Islanders late. They dumped the puck in like Butch referenced. It came off the backboards, hopped over Randy Carlisle's stick, the Penguin defenseman, and goal and back in it. And Tonelli scores in overtime, and boy, it really did suck. I was just about over 1975. Blowing the three games to none lead to the Islanders. And then they come back from 3-1 down in the third period of Game 5, best of five, and eliminate the Penguins on the way to the Stanley Cup. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, the Steelers signed Morgan, I was going to say Freeman again. I'm going to do that all the friggin' time. Morgan Burnett, Green Bay Packers safety. Matt Williamson, our football guru, is going to join me a bit after 4 o'clock to give us the nuts and bolts of that signing and take a good look at John Bostick, the inside backer they signed away from Indy. I'm curious to see if Matt thinks Bostick is projected as a starter 
or a backup behind whoever they draft. Or for that matter, maybe whoever they draft starts with Bostick and Bince is the swing guy. No knock on Bince, but I really think that's what he might be best suited for. It sounds kind of jerky to say the less he's on the field, the better. But the less he's on the field, the better. 105.9 The X. Super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, uh, Mark, second time caller. Love the show. I'd like to talk to Mark about Mark Andre Fleury. Pay attention, dumb skull, and talk. The X at 105.9. Here's some breaking Pitt men's basketball news. Danny Hurley, the coach at Rhode Island, is reportedly considering Pitt as an option for next year. But he's also considering Connecticut, which at one point was called the front runner for Hurley's services and he might stay at Rhode Island. Pitt is alleged to have made the biggest financial offer, the most money. So people are saying, well, if Hurley doesn't go to Pitt, you can't blame Pitt. Of course I can blame Pitt. I can blame Pitt for creating a situation so bad that even offering the most money can't get a coach to go there. So we'll see what Hurley does. If I had to bet, I think he goes to UConn. That's the way I think it works out. I actually have some big WWE news. This also just breaking. Daniel Bryan, who has not wrestled in over two years, has been cleared to again wrestle. WWE doctors said he had brain trauma and was forced to retire back in February of 2016. But now he's been cleared to wrestle again just two weeks before WrestleMania. And isn't that convenient? Brian's contract was up later this year, and he was going to get cleared by somebody and wrestle somewhere, whether in Ring of Honor or New Japan Pro Wrestling, and WWE just wasn't going to let that happen. Don't forget, when you say team doctor, team comes before doctor. We got Matt Williamson joining me at the top of the hour to talk about the Steelers' new signings. Today's safety, Morgan Burnett from Green Bay. And before that, linebacker John Bostick from Indianapolis. Uh, you know what you keep hearing about them too? That they're good tacklers. They wrap up, they're very secure when they tackle. If that's true, welcome aboard because the Steelers very definitely need more good tacklers. I've heard the notion that these signings might affect the Steelers' draft, you know, who they pick and when they pick them, but I don't think so. They still got to go inside backer in the first round. At the very least, they need depth there, and I think with Bostick and Bince, they still need a starter. They need a Ryan Shazier is what they need. So inside backer in the first round, maybe they can take a running back in the second round. A, there's a lot of good running backs available in this year's draft. You could get a starter in the second round. And B, 
You might take the starter in the second round in case the guy you think is going to start decides not to show up for week one. I will say if you took a potential starter at running back in the second round, Le'Veon Bell wouldn't dare not show up for week one. Wouldn't dare. That would put him right in his place, and that place would be in his stall at Latrobe. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. If Pitt got Dan Hurley from Rhode Island to coach, you you couldn't say that that's anything but a very good hire. But I'll believe that when I see it. Oh, I mentioned Aliquippa High School football. Warfield got the job. The state cop, the quarterbacks coach at Central Valley High School, and I think Warfield will do good as a coach, especially this coming year because Aliquippa is loaded. But, but again, and I can't stress this enough, and if you don't like it, too bad. And if you don't believe it, you're wrong. Aliquippa fired the white guy so Aliquippa could hire a black guy. That was the reason for that switch, because it wasn't football. Because Zemanic won all the time. The move was based on race. And that's okay, I guess. But that's why it happened. As I said in my opening segment, If you can give me any other good reason for firing the guy who had Aliquippa in the last 10 Whipple Championship games and naming a quarterback's coach from another school as your new head coach, I'd love to hear what it is. Uh, Now that Tiger Woods is playing decent golf, and that's as far as I'm willing to go, Now that he's playing decent golf, I hear commercials for fantasy golf. DraftKings has fantasy golf. My God, this country needs something to do. Uh, Let's get some Penguins talk going. Jason Mackey had an amusing item in his story today for the Post-Gazette. Jake Gensel is second on the team in hits. He's one hit behind Tom Kuhnhockel. Gensel's listed at 5'11", 180 pounds, and I bet he's an inch shorter and 10 pounds lighter. I'm a Gensel fan. He's in a bit of a sophomore slump this year. He has a very quiet 20 goals, but I think he's going to get back on track like he was last year very soon, hopefully in this year's playoffs, and be a big contributor in the long run in the National Hockey League for the Penguins. And I give him credit for throwing around what little weight he has. But maybe he connects on hits so often because the other team isn't afraid to be hit by Jake Gensel. If I'm a defenseman and I'm 6'2", 200 pounds, and I see Gensel coming on the forecheck, I'm thinking, wow, this Muppet-looking kid is going to hit me? That's no problem. Glancing blow. I'm just glad they got rid of Reeves. I'll take the mosquito bite. I just want to dodge the piranha. Here's the alleged offer, by the way, uh, to Danny Hurley. A multi-year deal in excess of $3 million. I said Pitt would have to do that to have a chance. And Pitt has done that. And it looks like they have a chance. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. 
And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, what's up? Super genius, how are you? Terrific. Your porn stars practice? Nope, they never have sex unless it's on video. The X at 105.9. All sorts of breaking news today. As mentioned, Daniel Bryan has been cleared to wrestle again by WWE. That'll put him in WrestleMania in a match involving the owner's kid, Shane McMahon. Hey, what's a little brain trauma? What's a little risk thereof if it means getting the owner's kid over? Also, the bigger news still is that Pitt has offered Dan Hurley, the Rhode Island men's basketball coach, a multi-year deal in excess of $3 million per year to come to Oakland. Rhode Island's trying to keep him. UConn's also trying to get him. The Pitt offer is reportedly the highest. And what will it say about the desperate nature of where the Pitt program is currently at? if Pitt makes the highest offer to Dan Hurley and still doesn't get him. Then again, Pitt might be just used as leverage in this situation. Maybe UConn or Rhode Island up the ante a little bit. Again, I can't imagine why Dan Hurley or any coach with a better option would want to come to Pitt. I think Pitt's going to settle for either Brandon Knight, Orlando Antigua, or Kevin Willard. Willard the most likely in my mind. He's currently the head coach at Seton Hall and is a former Pitt player. If Dan Hurley does come to Pitt, how long is it going to take to fix the program? How many of the nine players who want to transfer will Hurley be able to convince to stay? And if he keeps them all, is that good news? Because those are the guys who just went 0-18 in the ACC. I hope Dan Hurley does take the job, but if he does, he'd better show up with a big shovel. More breaking news. There's a report that the NFL has decided how to adjust its catch rule. And it's going to be real simple. Once the receiver has control of the ball... It's a catch. Sounds good to me. Sounds like more catches to me. Sounds like more points to me. Sounds like less replays to me. It was almost a great day for the Pirates. Could have been. Justin Turner of the LA Dodgers got hit by a pitch and broke his wrist. He's the LA third baseman. That seemed like the opening for the Pirates to ditch Josh Harrison and his $10 million salary. But the Dodgers are going to fill in from within. Boy, the Pirates just can't get a break. This is crazy. Listen to this. LeBron James reportedly gained seven pounds during an NBA game. During. Now, people are saying that's weird, but I could do that easy. I gain weight while I sleep, while I'm on the treadmill. I gain weight in a steam room. I gain weight while I'm on the treadmill in the steam room. No, seriously, gaining seven pounds or an NBA game? 
How's that possible? I, I honestly don't believe that. But why would you make something like that up that does nothing to put LeBron in a better light? It's just weird is all it is. No quarter. Brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. I'll talk about this at length later in today's program. You know, Vince McMahon wants to relaunch the XFL in 2020. Now somebody else wants to launch a league in the same time frame, starting right after the Super Bowl is played, but they want to do it in 2019 to get it going the year before McMahon brings the XFL back. And guess who's running the league? Charlie Ebersole, who is Dick Ebersole's kid, the longtime network executive, who was Vince McMahon's partner in the original XFL, and Ebersole, Dick Ebersole, is going to assist his kid. So I bet Vince feels like he's been stabbed in the back, which is oh so appropriate because he stabbed so many people in the back. He's probably gone through four or five sets of silverware uh, since he started plunging the knives. But here's something weird, because I didn't think he would want to get involved in something like this. You know who apparently is the director of player personnel for this Charlie Ebersole League? Troy Pulamalu. I never thought he'd want to get involved in something like that. And Heinz Ward is an advisor too. Interesting. I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But, but I love it when Vince gets screwed, McMahon, because he screwed so many people. I, I, it's hilarious that his wife is in the Trump cabinet in charge of small businesses because Vince McMahon put literally 50 or 60 small businesses out of business when he went national with his wrestling company. Made a bunch of smaller wrestling companies fold, like 40 right off the get-go, and he's been folding them ever since. If there's one guy, you should never, ever feel sorry for It's definitely Vince McMahon. 412-333-9939. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why Forbes magazine thinks women's sports aren't as popular as men's. And it is a real hoot. 105.9 The X.